welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, good afternoon and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron along with our co-host, Dr. Marissa Charles. And Dr. Charles, it's great to see you again. It's good to see you too, Ron. One of the things we're taking up today, Dr. Charles, is something I know you deal with, and that's the stigma of mental health and behavioral health uh, when it comes to your patients. Absolutely. Um, We do have so many patients that will decline treatment or decline uh, referrals for mental health support, um, despite, you know, us trying to to normalize it because of the stigma that, that exists in society still. You know, and yet we know because of the pandemic, especially uh, the incidence of mental health issues has grown. Uh, it's no surprise that uh, men 65 and over now are the leading numbers for suicide and often linked to depression. So why don't we bring the expert in rather than me playing psychiatrist here? Dr. Jamie Heisman is our special guest today. He's got a, a doctorate degree in psychology, a licensed clinical social worker, and is the chief compassion officer for WellMed Medical Management. He uh, is known as Dr. Jamie, a fierce advocate for a family caregiver. Their rights and well-being currently leads efforts to facilitate breath work, and he can explain that, and elevation and relaxation techniques for WellMed employees and clinicians. He firmly believes there is no health without mental health. And Dr. Jamie, it is great to have you on. Thank you. That's great. Great to be on with both of you in such an important time and such an important topic. So thank you for having me. Talk to us about the impact of COVID-19, uh, the emotional roller coaster that many people have been riding, loss of friends and loved ones due to uh, the coronavirus, isolation that, as, as you have said so many times when we've had you on, uh, is really the killer for well-being. And yet people have been isolated uh, in some cases for more than a year. What has that done to us as a society? Well, Ron, it's it's dysregulated us. How does that sound? It's made us feel more unsafe as a group. You know, the mind and the body are connected. And the doctor, of course, has just alluded to the fact that many of her patients may or may not go into mental health. The reason why COVID has had such a huge impact on us, it's dysregulated people, meaning that over the years, Really, the greatest, healthiest thing for us as, as a species, forget as a relationship, is for us to feel safe with healthy people, to regulate our mind and body. It's the vagus nerve, the autonomic nervous system. And what COVID has done is literally intervened. It's put a, a true wedge into our culture around social regulation. And unfortunately, too many of the top topics that came out of COVID around social distancing became misread as social isolation or masks and being healthy in the community came out as some political statement. So it's really triggered so much in our society that even though COVID may well become manageable, we'll have long lasting mental health challenges for years to come. For the senior who is uh, feeling out of sorts, who really hasn't had to deal with these kinds of issues, may have grown up depending on their age, uh, in an age when you kind of poo-pooed 
psychiatry and mental health counseling. How do you reach them and uh, direct them into getting help? The seniors may be the most challenging simply because they've been exposed culturally to the most shame and stigma sort of you know feelings that we could offer. I mean, this is goes back to to 1700s when we were, you know, dunking drunks and mental health was always somehow the elephant in the living room. That's something we wouldn't talk about or something like voodoo, chicken bones, 12 steps. You know, it was always mischaracterized and the mind and the body became separate along the way. And then companies started creating psychiatric companies, medical companies, dentists, and everything went different ways. So the senior, myself, in my mind, as I work with them, I'm sure they're confused beyond belief, A, where to go, but B, to your question, probably are feeling the greatest shame and stigma since they've been exposed so long to to this particular mindset, whereas COVID now literally may be opening up people's minds in a way that we couldn't as mental health professionals for years. And and when you think of trying to direct somebody to help, uh, to get help, uh, are there, Dr. Charles, in your case, uh, referrals you can make for uh, psychiatric help, or do you put on your psychiatrist's hat and try to counsel them yourselves? We do a little of both. You know, of course, um, I do spend a good portion of my day um, talking to people about their stressors, about, you know, ways that they can try to manage their anxiety, their depression, um, you know, just with, you know, behavioral techniques, the deep breathing, the meditation, all of those things, you know, we do mention for patients that need that in the office, but some patients do need help beyond that. Um, So there are uh, places that we can refer them to that offer psychology, that offer, um, you know, counseling services, that offer psychiatric care as well for assistance with medication management. Now, we prescribe medications for anxiety and depression as well, where we may not have as much of a as much time to make an impact is with like the counseling, the behavioral uh, counseling, like cognitive behavioral therapy. Those kinds of resources are um, difficult to do when you see them for 30 minutes every three to four months. Like that's something that needs to be done a little bit more regularly um, for patients. And that's where the our uh, our colleagues in the counseling world help us out. And and Dr. Heisman, uh, when we talk about getting help for seniors, uh, Dr. Charles referenced talk therapy. Uh, Is that effective? Is that something that, in addition to medication, uh, seniors can benefit from? Yes, I'm I'm a great believer, obviously, in therapy. It was really the determining factor of why I became a therapist or psychologist today. I think my parents started dragging me to a therapist early in my teens because I was oppositionally defiant or had depression or whatever reason they thought I needed to go. And it was the beginning of my journey. And my mom, God rest her soul, she was a psychologist as well. She gave me books and said, well, Jamie, you need to understand this is our family genetic predisposition. This has gone on in my sister, my grandmother. And so she gave me books on depression. And she said, key thing, which is, she said, Jamie, to know oneself is to know the world. And so she was 100% right. So when I go inside and dealt with that and issues like that, then I can have compassion and understand those around me. In terms of working with seniors, in terms of what Dr. Charles says and how we've kind of segmented this to make it safer again, we tried it well med and are currently in that process now with integration of behavioral health was to bring psychiatry to our medical clinics. Because when they see a great, uh, you know, they see a great therapist or not so much a therapist, a psychiatrist who could begin 
the diagnoses, the psychopharmacological interventions, and they're in the same office as a wonderful physician like Dr. Charles, our patients come and they realize that primary care is both the medical and the psychiatric. And at that point in time, they become much more accepted as opposed to go over here or go over there. Um, and then we can become what we call a medical home. And we can kind of bring the mind and body together. And the patient obviously has greater compliance because they then have less stigma, less shame. You know, yes, putting them in a quote unquote psychiatry office, you're putting them in a medical home. So Dr. Charles is spot on. I think as soon as we start in our clinics, able to integrate both and then have that wonderful sort of, um, if you will, support of therapy, that safe place and the right therapists who are credentialed to meet the needs of that senior, then we are really looking at a good future with uh, medical health and mental health together. So are, are clinics, women clinics, adding psychiatric counseling to their staff? They are. And currently we are looking right now, uh, obviously there's a lot of telebehavioral health solutions, um, and that is also somewhat effective for sure, but there's no substitute especially in the world of behavioral health, as what I said, the regulation, the feeling safe with the person in front of you, feeling that you have a therapeutic relationship, that the physician in front of you is, is not speaking from a pedestal, but is like a coach and is helping you through things. And so that, obviously, COVID also has disrupted, and I hope we get back to it and are able to put psychiatrists in our clinics throughout WellMed that then will be able to, to uh, be the beginning of a continuing care and we'll participate with Dr. Charles and other physicians in terms of staffing patients together. I mean, Marissa, that's, what do you fa- think? that's a fantastic, you know, thought and fantastic idea. I think that we absolutely, our patient population would benefit from um, easier access to psychiatric mm-hmm. care because we do struggle with access um, for both psychiatry and psychology and counseling. Um, and so that's fantastic. Um, to to know that that's coming in the future to be able to use uh, a psychiatrist you know that would be housed in our own clinics that's that's wonderful um dr jamie oh, i'm sorry marissa go ahead no no i was also going to say though like for counseling in particular um although you know there is less of a um perhaps less of a connection that can be made if you're not in person. The, the virtual psychology uh, visits are also quite helpful. I have seen that. And then my daughter, she comes up to me and she's daddy. I think I'd like to see a psychologist like you. And I said, well, that'd be super. I can't, I was so happy. Uh, but then I started calling friends who I knew are good. And I said, you know, would you see my daughter for one or two times during COVID of course. And so they were all kind of gun shy and to your point, I totally believe telebehavioral is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I think once you've established some relationship, especially safety with the clinician in front of you, it is great. You can go anywhere. And if you have that level of safety, uh, this is a wonderful platform. So I so, so agree with you. I do believe that since we have so much shame and stigma and miscommunications out there in the world, that when somebody's able to normalize initially face-to-face and initially feel that mind-body safety, whether it's a child, adolescent, or adult, then they're more likely to buy into, I think, telebehavioral health. And I think then it's extraordinarily effective. All right, stick with us. We're going to come right back to you. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about the stigma and how we overcome that. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. Dr. Jamie Heisman, our very special guest. Thank you for listening and being with us on WellMed Radio. You may 
may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus, you are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. Crying, waiting, hoping. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Maurice Charles. With us on our hotline from Florida, Dr. Jamie Heisman. He is a licensed clinical social worker, has a doctorate in psychology, and serves as the Chief Compassion Officer for WellMed. And that's a title, Dr. Heisman, that needs some explaining. What does a Chief Compassion Officer do other than saying, Oh, I hope you're doing okay. <laughs> well, let's hope I go further than that because uh, there's a definite difference between pity, empathy, uh, and compassion. Um, so, it, you know, Ron, it was as new to me as it sounds to you and the listeners. I mean, Dr. Rapier and his foresight wanted to bring, quote unquote, humanity and, and compassion. Was he a founder and, yes. founder and CEO of WellMed, right? Yes, we're very fortunate. Um, he still sees WellMed, I think, as one of his children. Um, because it is, because 30 years ago he began. And I think he sees what's going on and feels as a visionary what needs to occur. And so he created this Project Omega that was hopefully to bring what he said, compassion, humanity. So he said, you're going to be the compassion officer. And I said, you know, we all should be doctor. This shouldn't be up to me. I mean, we all have to be the compassion officer. And then I I said to him, I said, you know, it's going to be wonderful for my daughter. I mean, it's sad, but I always talk about death and life is it's, it's pretty much one. Right. So I said, it'd be great for my epitaph. I said, but who's going to see a return on investment one day? That's not going to happen. I said, but we laughed about it. And so I do think at the end, without laughing, all kidding aside, that compassion is being able to bear witness to a person's pain. You don't have to fix it. I mean, you can't fix it. You know, that's, that's left to obviously, you know, deities out there that we, we, we possibly worship or walk with. But at the end of the day, we have to be able to listen, bear witness and start where they are at rather than where we think they should be at. And I think that's what I think he meant by a chief compassion officer, quote unquote, is that to be mindful of helping our system start where our patient is at and feel safer rather than where we think they should be at. That is so important. And one of the advantages in uh, clinics like WellMed, it's not a fee-for-service business. You don't have to have a broken leg to get treated. Right. You're so right, Ron. And that means that I know Dr. Charles can speak to it better, is that we're yearning, every one of us, for a healthy family. We didn't necessarily come from it. So you, that's we don't know that until we really look at it and examine it. But what we're trying to do at WellMed with our members is obviously create a family of choice because they're with us for years and hopefully will stay with us. But to do that, we have to be healthy as, as a system. We have to be healthy as, as clinicians and as administrators and, and transportation people. And we have to be able to start where they're at so that we can create a family of choice. Because as I mentioned, Dr. Appear, nobody really wants to leave a healthy family. 
So Correct. tell us, Dr. Jamie, the uh, stigma that is attached to mental health issues, uh, to all kinds of mental health problems like depression, like schizophrenia, you name it. W what does that stigma arise from? It, it arise, a lot of things, Ron, but I'll try to be as concise as possible because I lived it first as a patient and then obviously as a clinician later on working with it, with starting with hosp state hospital patients almost 30 years ago. Stigma is really false beliefs about mental illness. It, it causes really significant problems in us getting help, like the one Dr. Charles said that when you, when you say to a patient, take this for your cold or flu, they say, okay, we should be able to respond in the exact same way. Cause, but stigma has, has, over the years, has stopped us. And it's when someone views you in a negative way because you have a, a distinguishing kind of characteristic or personal trait that, that's, that's thought to be a, a disadvantage, okay? And so negative attitudes and beliefs you know, with people you know, have, have occurred with mental health conditions. I believe, and I'll be concise here and let, and let, let's hear from Dr. Charles and you. I certainly believe that stigma is also a factor that it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that we have not looked at our own selves emotionally. Like my mom said, to know oneself is to know the world. Because if we were to worry about our families, they, people worry about mental health when it hits their family. God forbid a child needs a, a treatment for addiction or a loved one needs it. And now with COVID, again, it's obviously high on the, on the scale. But if it's somebody else's and we don't quite understand it, then we try to run from it and have denial and distract ourselves and disassociate. So that, you know, I'm sure you have theories about it, but that's what I see as a clinician and, and as a patient. Well, so many. And then um, how do you go ahead? I was going to say, you know, so many um, folks, especially, you know, our, our seniors, you know, we're taught that, you know, depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. that all of those are perhaps signs of weakness, you know, mm -hmm. and that, that they should be, you know, um, brushed under the, under the rug per se. Um, so that, you know, and they're not dealt with. And then the more that you do that, the worse that it becomes until it you end up in a crisis situation. It does. It does. And what I've tried my best, and I think we're going to try through the emotional support response team here at WellMed as we develop it for our employees and patients, is we're trying to show you that really not reaching out and seeing it as a weakness is a weakness in itself mm -hmm. is that the strength the people i think that are calling for help or saying my team needs help or can you help us with this we lost somebody here now that is really strength you know men have a tough time i work a lot with men because they can't even ask for directions much less help <laughs> right and so uh, right so right. Uh, to me yeah. it's important to understand that courage i work with policemen firemen emergency medical technicians and to your point ron with breath work right with a calming peace because these are first responders well we all are first responders in the healthcare world. And so it's important for us to, to really find, you know, ways to reduce the anxiety, to find breath work and to understand that this is more of a mind body thing. I think we've gotten stuck in the Freudian Jungian place, but we don't realize that we literally are dysregulated and feeling unsafe. And we can be our trauma therapist in the moment and then actually go see a therapist if we choose to after. Now, for those who are listening, uh, would you expand on breath work? Sure. It'd be great if you were ever with me one time. I, I, years ago, I began with the city of Miami police and firemen, emergency medical technicians. And these are people, again, running into burning homes when others are running out. They are first responders, right? Like the military. They're tough guys. I had a 60-bed treatment center in Huntsville, Alabama, specifically for police. But you get a kick out of watching a sergeant sitting there doing, you know, four 
seven, eight, which is breath work by Dr. Andy Wild. You can do it for four times and it takes only a minute and a half. And what it does it, he watches, he does it. And I watch the police just calm down in the moment. So when you're coming into a crisis or you're going into something, if you can just do quick breath work for a minute and a half, and we're teaching this to our, our best we can to our doctors, our clinicians, our administrative staff, is really how we can calm our own bodies. We can feel the not safe in the moment on one leg and how we can regulate our own selves. And that's literally kind of the mind-body connection that, that we can personally do on an ongoing basis without a therapist. So one way that I've seen that play out, um, we have so many patients that are nervous when they come into the office and that'll manifest as elevated blood pressures. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how many times a day I'll say, okay, let's try to do some deep breathing. You know, I'll talk to them about the four, seven, eight breath um, and have them practice that for, like you said, a minute and a half. And we'll come back in and recheck the blood pressures. And often they are quite a bit lower just as a, you know, to, to show that it is effective and it does work. So it's a instant gratification. You, well, it, it is. The cool part is instant gratification that you can calm yourself down right. in the moment, Ron. It's wonderful. But to the, the doctor mentioning that, too, I mean, I would ask you, because you're obviously so skilled in the medical world, how many of the people that come to us have some sort of thing that could be kind of managed by mind-body connection? I mean, the immunological issues, the sleep issues, the headache issues, to be able to, in the moment, to be recognized that we have to meet our medical health halfway. Many of our seniors, as you probably know, have definite legitimate chronic and acute in terminal illnesses, God forbid, but a lot of them come to connect also and to regulate themselves and to feel comfortable in the moment with you as a physician or our clinics. And so we really can look at pain, you know, and, and things like that in a way that we can take responsibility for our own selves as long as we can get rid of the shame and stigma and start teaching this to our patients and employees. Absolutely. Yes, I, mm -hmm. No, Go I was ahead, just going to say, I love the, the work that's been done, you know, to, to help support the employees as well. Cause, you know, especially because, you know, through the pandemic that we've been here, you know, working with our PPE on and our masks and our shields and, you know, pushing through, you get to a point sometimes where you become fatigued, like that empathy fatigue. It's harder to feel empathy for others when you're so tired and stressed yourself. So putting your own health as a, you know, in the forefront is so important as well. It is. And, it and is. There, no, there we, is an, yeah, I'm sorry, Ron. Go ahead. I'm saying a lot of medical practices, there is a big turnover now uh, in physicians. Mm -hmm. uh, my PCP, for example, uh, left, quit, couldn't deal with it anymore. Uh, a neat lady, and she said, you know, uh, I just have to take a break. I have to take care of myself. And from what I understand, you know, across the country, we're seeing a lot of that losing talented, qualified medical people who've just been burned out. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely and not and just that's why Absolutely, doctor. Our staff too. And you know, the interesting thing, doctor, you bring up here is that, you know, when I wrote the book, Take Your Oxygen First, it literally was for caregivers to obviously take care of themselves because they were dying before their loved ones were dying. Well, at the end of the day, our employees at, at addiction centers, we came to find out that people stayed in recovery because of the corrective experience they had with their primary counselor. If their primary counselor was healthy, they had a better chance at recovery. So to your point, Ron, and to yours, Dr. Charles, when our staff is not doing right or they're leaving well guess what the the patient is not feeling safe then either the patient's not seeing their staff member on two feet taking care of their mind their body and their health 
and they themselves are going to be fearful. So when caregiver says, oh, I'm helping my mom, I'm helping my dad doing everything. Yeah, the greatest way you could help them is to be on two feet because they're going through anxiety and fear with a chronic illness. So if you're taking care of yourself, they're not going to be so fearful because they're in a natural state of fear. So that's where we all need to start is we need to start with ourselves. Let peace begin with me, and then um, we can connect to those in front of us. We're about out of time, and it's when you're having fun, time really flies, which is what has happened in this program. But Dr. Jamie, uh, before you go, for folks who are looking for help, who think, you know, having heard this, maybe a therapist or a psychiatrist uh, would be the next step. How do you find one? Well, wonderfully speaking, Ron, I'll say this. It's quick and easy because you, Dr. Charles, Carol Zernial, and the WellMed Charitable Foundation has given us so much in terms of helping patients and helping uh, caregivers in Texas and around the country. So the first place I would go is the WellMedCharitableFoundation.org. Personally, that was where you're also going to find Dr. Sharon Thoreau, who does our mindful drop-in sessions. And we'd love for our patients, our caregivers, and our employees to come to that. So that's the first place I'd go. And then obviously, if you're an employee, then go to your um, uh, EAP. That's greatly helpful. But if you're a patient and you're looking for somebody, go to a support group. Support groups, there's nothing like that. As we get through COVID, face-to-face, learning about the experiential journey of the person in front of you and being able to feel it is a way to socially regulate and a way to get ourselves better. So if you have to do it online now, fine, do it online, but look for it as we come out of COVID in terms of face Jamie, thank you. Flat out of time. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us, Dr. Jamie Heisman. For our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you again soon right here on WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.